0: On the day Japan's prime minister got assassinated by some guy that is not the best, the NHL decided to hold their 2022 draft, and the Knucks drafted another Elias Pedersen. It is us, not another knux podcast, brought to you by Loudmouth Brewing. For the best burgers and beer in town, go to Loudmouth Brewing in Abbotsford, located on Mount Lehman. I mean, the draft was insane. We drafted some great people, some people I've never heard of before. We looked into everyone. What are your thoughts on how the Canucks manage the first few picks?
1: It's pretty interesting to see that the Canucks really like their Swedish players. Yeah. I guess it's something
0: in that IKEA <laughs> yeah. And you know what, man? Like, I guess the GM uh, has that Swedish connection. And you know what? It makes sense, though. In a year that COVID has hit two years in a row, you know, drafting and uh, developing and also scouting was a bit of an issue. Um, I guess you go where your your strengths are, especially with your high-end picks. I know that Alvin has a lot of good connections. He used to be a scout, so he has a lot of good connections in Sweden. So why not use those connections to maximize your picks? Because, I mean, in the COVID era that took place, it was really hard to scout anyone, right? Our first pick was uh, Jonathan lekker Took him 15th overall. He was on a lot of people's draft, a little lower. Uh, I think on three drafts I saw... He was around number 10 to 8 to number 10. On one draft that I saw, he was number 17. Um, I look quite a bit on this guy. It seems like he is, uh, you know, has a great shot. He's very creative. Even Alvin compared him to like a Lucas Raymond light. And, you know, he can work on his skating a bit, but his skating is not bad. What was your thought on the first overall pick? With the Canucks picking Jonathan Leckermachie, I
1: think that is pretty awesome to get roughly a 7th, 8th, overall pick at 15th. That's pretty impressive. Um, It is interesting that he did drop uh, quite a ways away almost, where it's also to see Shane Wright go from what
0: was supposed to be most likely first overall to fourth overall. That was insane. You know what? That's a really good point. Seeing Wright drop down to fourth, I did not expect that to happen. Did you see how he looked at uh, the Montreal bench after when he got drafted? Yes, I
1: I did see the video of him (laughs) staring down both probably the Montreal bench and also with Arizona as well. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. He's gonna do to them what De Foley didn't did to us during the during the seasons. You know, he's gonna score like eight goals on him. But you could tell he was pissed that he didn't go first overall. And he did state before he had a few quotes saying that he wanted to be first overall. He never got it. He stared them down. But you know what though? A lot of people were giving him flack. A lot of people were saying that oh he's too egotistical. He's not you know like you don't want someone that has that type of demeanor. You know what? After that that's the type of player you want you want in my opinion you want a player that kind of has a kobe mentality you want someone that has like the mamba spirit the Patterson kind of you know mentality where you want to be the best always and you're fighting always and when you're expecting greatness and you want to push for greatness and you don't get it you let people know that you expect more from yourself and you, you expect more from others right what are your thoughts on how people reacted to his um quotes and everything that he said Well,
1: I thought it was interesting for him to come out with that approach. Now, it will be nice for him to join the Seattle Kraken because we know that they had Matty Bernier join the team on the tail end of their season, and he was almost a point-per-game player. So I think him being in Seattle – will be good fit for the Kraken.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Kraken left out. Yeah, I guess the other teams, I, I understand that they were drafting for need rather than, um, you know, the best player. But I don't know how you pass up on a guy like that. So I totally understand why Montreal wanted to get um, he It seems like he's more uh, a bigger body. He's more rough. He's more of a power kind of uh, forward type player. And uh, his, his offense is a little bit more dynamic. But the thing is, at the same time, you walked away from a Canadian kid that really everyone was kind of rooting for. But you know what? If Montreal felt that that was the best player available, I totally get it. I did not see him dropping a four, but it, good for him for still being drafted. But, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder now. He even stated he has a chip on his shoulder now. I think that's only going to make him a better player still. When it comes to Jonathan Lakrameki, you know, like I said before, someone that was uh, expected to go ninth or eighth overall, Seeing him drop to number 15. His shot is insane. A lot of people are comparing him to Elias Pettersson. And guess what? Guess who his favorite player is? Elias Pettersson. Elias Pettersson. And that leads us to round three. Our next pick. Number 80. 40 times 2. 80th overall. Who did we pick? Elias Pettersson. (laughs) Elias Pettersson. Not only sounds the same, spelled the same damn way. A defenseman. He's a left-handed shot. He's a defensive defenseman with a great shot, apparently. Great skating ability. Great vision. Someone who was expected to go a little bit lower. I know Drancer wasn't high on him, but Cam Robinson and Faber were very high in this pick. So was the entire Canucks management, right? So you tell me who knows more about what. This is a player that um, I am actually excited for. Not only for the name, not only for the number, but also for the ties. He's, he's someone on the back end we definitely need to grow, right? What are your thoughts on this pick, Amen? I well, the nice thing
1: is that if we ever feel like trading Elias Pedersen <laughs> for someone like Leah and mm-hmm. we can make that trade and then make it seem like we gave them number 40, but instead
0: we'll give them number 25. <laughs> yeah, do a quick switch up, right? That's funny. All right, so Elias Pedersen is not a defenseman, right? you know, and it seems like he is someone that was actually quite highly touted by um Alvin and his scouting staff Uh during the press conference they even stated that they're very happy with this pick and they did not expect him to be there they thought that it, there could be a chance he was there but also the fact that his shot is phenomenal and his vision is phenomenal he's a very smart player I think that's something that we need right now we don't have a lot of defensemen that can move the puck up from the blue line uh, for a quick transition game. Uh, the transition game has been an issue for many years now, especially with the way we've been coached. Uh, I feel like it's getting better now under Bruder, but I feel like this is someone that could help, assuming they continue to develop and they make the team.
1: Well, I just checked his stats, and Elias Pedersen on the junior under-20 national team, yeah. in 37 games, he put up 18 points, which is quite effective for a defenseman.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a lot of points, especially in the, was he in SHL or...
1: Uh, he is in the SHL. Yeah. And then also he put up uh, 38 uh, penalty minutes, which is nice because we do need
0: some defensemen with physical attributes. So actually, now that you bring that up, that was a conflicting report that I kept seeing. Faber did bring up like a, a, like a piece and I read it and it said that, least person isn't really a, a physical individual. Twitter, I can't remember his name right now. He showed a video showing how physical Elise person can be. And he's actually quite physical in his own zone. He will rub people out against the boards. And he is actually someone that uses boards quite effectively. He positions, positions himself very well and pushes people off the puck you know, squishes them against the board and make sure that, that the play dies, right? And he's done that more often than not. There were great highlights of him doing that. So I I, I don't see where, I mean, I haven't seen him all season, obviously, but I I don't see where the whole um, issue comes in with him not using the body enough, right? But anyways, well, moving forward, for someone that does use the body quite a bit, we're moving to the fourth round, pick number 112, Damon Gardner. He is uh, someone of First Nations uh, descent, and apparently he is a center. It's a two-way center, great uh, physical attributes. He fights a lot. Even when I Googled his name, one of the first things that came up was, uh, you know, the Right. <laughs> he can throw the myth down. He's a physical guy. He's great on the defensive side, but he also has the ability to bring the puck up. As a bottom six centerman, assuming he would grow and continue to develop, I could definitely see him doing wonders there, right? Well, the nice thing is that he will be in the BCHL. So if the
1: scouting staff wants to check up on him frequently, they just need to drive into the Fraser Valley and go check him
0: out. That's huge. That's huge. And especially knowing he's a local talent, that should definitely drive up ticket sales. Number 144, Ty Young drafted a goalie. He was a backup goalie. And the funny thing is, I was looking at a few different reports and Faber has stated that he was a backup goalie that came in when the main goalie got injured. And he was one of the sole reasons why that team made it to the playoffs. He fits the attributes of what Ian Clark wants uh, uh, from a goalie, six foot three, big goalie, he's quite athletic. And I heard him today on um, 650. You know, he's very excited to be a Canucks. He he was a Canucks fan growing up. I am quite pleased with his pick at number five uh, on our fifth-round pick. It just seems like someone that really cares about the community and someone that cares about where he's from. And he's a local kid. I don't know if you know much about this kid because we are getting deep in the draft but what are your thoughts on this guy? Well, it's nice that he also plays for the Prince George Cougars
1: currently. Yeah. And with 23 games played, he had uh, – a a 3.5 goals against and a 0.899 save percentage. So for a youngster to have a 0.899, that's doing some positive strides. And hopefully we can Bring him up and maybe he can be eventually another Corey Schneider.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if he's able to get even that far, that'd be amazing. But like I said, our goalie coach can do wonders with some of these kids. I'm very happy that every year it seems like in the in the middle of the rounds we are getting a goalie. A lot of rumors going around with the goalies currently right now. I don't know if you heard, but they're saying that Mike DiPietro might actually get traded. His name keeps coming up and up and up. And he's someone whose development really got halted by the old regime. Um, He got brought up and got blown up in one Canucks game. He wasn't able to play um, because of Martin and Silbo down in the AHL. And it doesn't seem like he really has a spot now for the Canucks, either in Abbotsford or in Vancouver. Trade rumors are abundant. Well, he was also in an unfortunate
1: precedent situation where the thing was that during covid we had to have a, a taxi squad with us and he was basically on that taxi squad. So he wasn't really getting games in. Yeah. So yes, it did hinder his, um his oh, development.
0: Um, yeah, no, that's well said. And you know what, man, like I feel like COVID has really messed up many, many players development and their scouting potential. I'm just wondering how many kids were out there that were amazing. They just never got showcased because of COVID, you know? Yeah. So it's not easy. Um, That being said, it will be interesting to see if uh, DiPietro gets traded I feel like he will get traded. I don't see where he fits in, especially with Silvos in the mix and Martin being our backup. Silvos seems like a big-body guy, and he did really well last year. He did quite well. Yeah. And Martin definitely shows that he is NHL-ready. You know, yeah, he so, held his for while Demko was out.
1: And it's nice because now hopefully we can get Demko to play give or take 50-ish games, and yeah. then we can get Martin to play give or take 25 and maybe get uh, Silvos to maybe play a couple so yeah. it will be nice because I saw our schedule coming up Yeah, and that with the nine back-to-backs during the season and then having three separate uh, times where we're going to be on five-game road trips, yeah. especially to start the season, yeah. we will need to use more than one goalie to, during the season. 100%. Looking at Halak, are we still playing Halak? Uh, we will be playing for his bonus because he played an excess
0: number of games. It was in his contract. All right, well, hashtag thank you, Jim, you know. um, Anyways, moving on. Number 176 in the sixth round, we drafted Jackson Dorrington, an American defenseman. Um, it seems like the Canucks were pretty heavy on defensemen after this pick. You're late in the draft. It seems like someone who is willing to be pretty heavy. You know, he shoots left. It would be great if he had a right-handed shot, but obviously we don't have that right now. He's
1: 6'2". He has yeah. 190 pounds. And the nice thing is that he's physical because in this past season, he had 51 penalty minutes and 41 games.
0: Yeah, so it seems like someone that's not willing, that's not scared to throw down the mitts and and not scared to kind of like get physical, right? But anyway, it seems like Jack Dorrington was someone that the Canucks really wanted just to be like a physical defenseman. It seems like we don't really have any young uh, D core coming up. And that's kind of shocking, though, because you look at someone like Wu. Wu was picked in the second or third round. I can't remember. It's been a while now. He was quite a physical person. Now they're making him a forward, apparently. And it's just sad to see because it's someone that you know um, has a physical attributes. But it just seems like even with this guy, he's laying a draft. If he can make it, cool. If he can make it, that's awesome. But I don't know if he will be able to. Moving forward, number 208 in the seventh round, we have Kirill Kudrevistiv. I totally messed that up. But you anyway, see another defenseman, and a lot of people on Twitter were actually very excited about the uh, darkness guy.
1: Checking out his, his bio, he's a six foot, two hundred and one pound defenseman, which shoots also left. So we did pick a decent amount of left-handed uh, defenseman this uh, draft. Yeah, and also he does like to put up a decent amount of points. He put up uh, sixty-eight points in, or no, not sorry, he put up thirty-nine points in sixty-eight games, which is not bad for the. Greyhounds in the OHL and only 10 penalty minutes. So he wasn't too much of a physical guy, but it was nice that he put up a decent
0: amount of assists. Those are all the picks that were picked this draft. And uh, we, we, sorry, just took a shot. Anyways, moving forward. So much was happening this draft. Those are the guys we picked. We got some great kids. We drafted Elvis Patterson twice. Got a lot of defensemen. Got one goalie, right? Overall, the consensus from what I'm hearing. (coughs) Oh my God, that was a strong shot. Sorry. The consensus that I'm hearing is that it was a very, very good, right? People were quite happy. There were a few names that were here and there that could have been above us. We picked a few people that were projected before. And uh, so I feel like everything kind of evened out in the end. Cam Cam and Faber seem to be very happy about the draft. I think Drancer was one of the uh, people on Twitter that was not very that happy about the draft. There was so much drama during this draft. And one of the biggest pieces that we saw that whose name kept going thrown out there was Miller's. Not only was his name attached to so many different trade rumors, during like the final hour, you saw Miller's name get dried up again. And it was with the New York Islanders. Friedman said there was a trade in place, but it fell apart at the table. What do you think happened? I believe
1: from what I've heard is that Lou Lemorello does not like leaks. And he only likes trades to be done within the organization. And all. But the thing is that it got leaked out and that's why that got canceled. But then immediately they were able to figure out a trade with uh, Montreal and Chicago. So they, Montreal sent Alex Romanoff to the Islanders. Yeah. And then 13th overall went to Montreal. And then Montreal shipped 13th overall to Chicago for... Alex Dabrinkit, which is quite the uh, ramification of trading.
0: Dude, I can't believe they traded Romanov for a first. 13th overall. Not even for 13th overall. That's crazy. He is not worth that dude. All I want to say is to Lula Morello, fuck you, Boomer. Like, what the hell, man? Apparently, there was a great trade in place, but it fell apart. Just because it got leaked, like, that's a bullshit response, man. Like, that's part of the game. That's how things grow, you know? You can't just expect everything to be back in the 1800s again. This is how the game gets fans excited. You want things to get leaked. You want things to grow. You want people to get excited. You want the fans... Dude, Friedman got the Canucks Twitter on fire after everyone gave up. I remember Irfan Gaffar. Say that not much is going to happen. Not much is happening right now. And everyone was like, okay, whatever. No, no trade's going to happen. Friedman brought this information out of nowhere on live television. Not even on radio, live television. Canucks Twitter was on fire, man. People were so excited. And then nothing happened. My question to you right now is this. Have the Canucks lost their chance to get the most out of Miller right now?
1: I believe they haven't. The okay. thing is that they don't want to essentially give up Miller for almost nothing. So they still have time. If it doesn't happen this summer, I would assume that they'll let the start of the season play out, and they'll possibly look back at it
0: around Christmas. Yeah. yeah you see that, but okay, here's the thing, though. Time is of the essence, man. Yep. Alright, okay, like, I'm telling you, man, like, I understand where you're coming from. Respectfully, though, I absolutely disagree. You're telling me that with the cap issues that we have, and Miller coming up to, you know, Christmas or whatever, or the trade fucking deadline, people know that we're up against the cap. He does not want to stay. It seems like he doesn't want to stay here, right? Assuming we can't reassign him, and we trade him, and people know that we have to get rid of him. You think they're going to give us a better package than what they offer today? Um. Well, from what I heard, the Islanders package seemed
1: quite solid, but I don't know if that was true. It had a uh, Bavillier and Noah Dobson, and I believe a pick also, but yeah. but the thing is that I think Miller also did not want to even play in in Long Island. So I think that, yes, time is of the essence yeah. and and we probably should try to figure out what we want to do with Miller, whether we want to try to push for playoffs or do we want to try to see what we can get for him?
0: Okay, well, here's the thing. So I heard that as you said, he might not want to play for the Islanders. and I I did hear that uh, Lou Morello, wanted to talk to the agent, but the Canucks said, no, we're not willing to let you talk to the agent. And that possibly wasn't the reasons why things broke apart. That being said, I'm going back to my original question. I don't think you answered it. I'm sorry. Is he going to be worth the same amount at the trade deadline? I believe that he can keep his value
1: because he just put up 99 points. And so I would assume teams that do want not only a centerman, but he can play wing. Yeah. That there'll they'll be a few teams that I would assume want him.
0: Okay, man. Honestly, here's the thing I, I get where you're coming from. Fuck that noise. All right. There is no way he's about You expect him to put 99 points up again? You know, he, he like, I, I understand that at the second tail of the season, he, he really blew up, especially with Patterson and everyone, and, and things kind of got better and better for him, right? And he was one of the stable figures on our team. Only figure, stable figures. I don't understand how PD and Horvat even made 30 goals. I don't see him having another 9,900 point season again. If he is able to do that 100%, that's amazing, right? But if he can't, and I'm sorry, man, but that is not happening. If he's, if by the time the trade challenge is happening, if he's only at 40 points, you know, there's a huge chance he is not getting that return. I think we really messed up. For him to break that deal apart, I think that's a huge loss for this team and this management team. I'm going to ask you a question now. This is the final question we're asking today before we close up. This is a question that was asked on Donnie and Dolly, or kind of. But this management, no offense, they haven't really done anything. They've done really minor changes. This is still Bennings Team, the only issue is that the coach are different with one coach. We had a 30% winning chance on the other choice. With the other coach we had a 69 percent winning chance, you know, percentage. So if this does not continue and this team does not continue to grow, whatever, right? And, and and no changes are made, how can you root for this management team? Well, the nice thing is that
1: if the Canucks don't have a successful season, mm-hmm. we can try to get Connor Bedard. That's
0: the one I'm talking <laughs> Yeah, true. Well, you, know, you know what? That's what I said. You know what? That's like a positive. You have just with that, you have completely changed my viewpoint on this. All right. Well, you know what? We are hoping for uh, a great season next year. If not, fuck it. We'll get Connor Bedard, hopefully. But, you know, you, you know the Canucks suck. We will never get first overall. We need to, like, have, like, a four leaf pullover or, like, have, like, a rabbit foot tied to every door for us to get first overall. You know the Knox Lock, it'll never happen, but if we get the chance to get first overall, that'll be amazing. We're not getting Connor Bernard, I'm not putting my hopes up like that. How dare you get me excited like this! I mean, you know, you are an enemy of the people. And uh, if we don't get first of all, I am giving everyone permission to get angry at me. Okay, thank you everyone for listening today. This episode is brought to you by Loudmouth Brewing for the best beers and burgers in town. Go Loudmouth Brewing in Abbotsford.